Um, so our next storytellers are Geethi and Rishi. Here they are. They are cousins and co-founders and collaborators of Fobgaze. Who's heard of Fobgaze? And the other founder being Issue. Where's Issue? You were sitting here. Oh, there you are. And the new edition, Shiva, you, who you heard from earlier. So. Um, so a little bit about Geethi. Geethi wears many metaphorical hats, but hardly any actual hats, as demonstrated tonight. Um, she spends part of her time as an anthropologist, another part as an alchemist. Um, Keithy actually has her own uh, line of natural skincare. Um, and she also really loves the Golden Girls. I do too. I hope Dorothy's your favorite. Though okay, Blanche is actually my favorite. <laughs> um, and there's Rishi, who is less sure of what, of what he's doing. Uh, who is about to finish up his economics degree. I think he was doing some exams last week. Definitely no, because his rewrites were not on time. <laughs> um, he presents a drive-time radio show and pretends to like the music that he plays on the show. <laughs> um, uh, Geethi and Rishi present to you a moment in their lives when Geethi was stirring the actual chai and Rishi spilled the metaphorical chai, le leading to a journey of them, along with uh, Rishi's brother, Ishu, birthing Fobgaze. Please welcome Keithy and Rishi. Picture it. Strathfield, 2015. Here I am at my parents' house, making chai. The kitchen, the stove... The funny medical rep spoons. You know the ones from pharmaceutical companies? Usually they give you pens with Lipitor or Serotide written on them. But every now and then they give you something creative. Once we got a nutcracker. This time it was cutlery. So back to the kitchen. I'm stirring the chai with the medical rep spoon. Getting ready to pour using the pan that doesn't pour back into the fine bone china cups from my parents' stint in Singapore. I can't imagine how many times I've played out this scene in the last 10 years. This time, I'm here working late on a weeknight. I've been back from London for over a year, and in the meantime, I've discovered that I have a latent interest in alchemy. I've been using essential oils, ethers from India, and I've been creating skincare and perfume products. It's grown into a business, and here I am, preparing for my first major design market. But I'm a social scientist. I studied anthropology. I don't sell things to people to make money, do I? My throat is hurting and my body is aching. I don't know exactly why. I've been told that it could be tonsillitis. I'm hoping for tonsillitis. Please, God, let it be tonsillitis. Anything but glandular fever, which is what my aunt, my Marcy, Keithy's mum, is telling me that it's most likely to be. <laughs> <sighs> what a week it's been. What a fucking week. It's the end of 2015, and I'm having a really shit year. I'm struggling to focus on studying for my exams, which, by the way, are in two weeks. Uh, sorry, two days, not two weeks. I wish they were in two weeks. Meanwhile, my laptop with all of my work, my music, my media, my movies, all of my assignments, everything I've worked towards for the last five years, it's just kicked up. 
It's died. I'm not sure if I can get it fixed in time. And to make things worse, I've just broken up with a guy that I've been seeing for a couple of months. Correction, actually, I've been dumped. I don't really know what to make of it because it was the first time I was ever in a same-sex relationship. I mean, I'm sad, I'm confused, I'm angry, that's for sure. Was I not good enough? Was, did I do anything wrong? I've listened to all of my friends and their advice, but in all honesty, what do they know? I feel really let down by everyone at this stage. I feel like I'm not good enough for him. I'm not good enough for my studies. I'm not surrounded by people who understand the way that I feel and think. It's alienating. There's a lot going on, and I just feel really lost, and I'm frankly over it. I'm done. I'm glad Geetha is here, though. I wasn't expecting to see her. So I asked him, how are you doing, Rishi? What's going on? Yeah, look, uh, I'm fine. No, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm not fine, actually. I've had a really shit year. I'm in the middle of my exams, and my laptop's broken, and to be honest, I don't know if I'm going to be able to fix it. I need to go into the Mac store tomorrow. And to make it worse, I was seeing this guy, and he just broke up with me. And I, I, I don't know, I'm lost. Did he just say that? Did he just come out to me? I think this is the moment. <laughs> I had a feeling he might have been gay. So it's not a total surprise. Ever since Rishi was young, I thought it might be a possibility. A few of us in our family did. I remember him as a young kid. He loved fashion and he loved design. He loved picking out my clothes. He loved dress-ups and he loved dancing. But I don't think it was that. I know not all boys who do that are gay. And I know not all boys who are gay do that. There was something else. It's hard to describe. There was a sense that he was self-monitoring. Just a sense that he was holding something back, like he was hyper-aware of what he was saying, of what others were saying, and how he came across. Sometimes people would make jokes and I would see him react. There was something going on under the surface, but I didn't know what. Left to my own devices, I would have asked Rishi outright what was going on. Thankfully, I had queer friends. I used to ask them what they would have wanted from their siblings. Remember, this is before Google. They told me, never ask Rishi outright. Ever. Crisis averted. They told me that I could let Rishi know what my views were about LGBTQIA plus people in an indirect way. So that's what I did, with varying degrees of success, for maybe 10 years or more. So here I am back in the kitchen, and he's just said it. This is the moment. After all these years of preparing for this possibility, but I never actually asked anyone what to do if he did come out. <laughs> How should I react? Oh, Rishi, breakups suck. What happened? I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Everything was going fine. You know, last week we had just had dinner. We were in Bondi and it was a beautiful night and we were taking a walk around. And then he just turns to me out of the blue and says that he's not into it anymore and that he needs a little bit of time and need some space what what the fuck is space what does that know. mean i don't know right i yep. mean does that mean that we're over does it mean that we're taking a break i don't it's something that people say in the films pretty much <sighs> he's a fucking film student too which oh. <laughs> figures <laughs> oh god anyway look i've i've been seeing him for about four months now and um <sighs> to make things worse he actually works at the one mac store that can fix my computer oh <laughs> And I have to go in tomorrow because my exam's in two days. 
and I know he's working tomorrow, and I know Murphy's Law, I'm going to run into him, and I'm going to make an ass out of myself, and I just don't know what to do. And I spoke to a couple of my friends about him. You know, about him. I got some bad advice while we were dating. I wish I hadn't talked to them in retrospect, um, because now it just makes me feel like no one understands me. Um, oh, yeah, and now I have glandular fever. Fuck. <laughs> oh, Rishi, that is rough. Breakups suck. And on top of that, you have glandular fever and you have to see this guy at the Apple store. I am so sorry you were going through this. So we talked for a little longer about the breakup, about being sick. I didn't bring up his sexuality while I was with him. I just wasn't sure if he wanted to talk about it right then. So instead, I texted him later that night. Hey, Rishi. Thank you for sharing what you did with me tonight and for trusting me. I just want you to be happy. Whether you're into men, women, both, neither, it's all good with me. I'm here for you, and I love you lots. Githi Didi. I have no words. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that in this moment, I had a family member like her. I'm grateful that she got it, that she didn't make a big deal out of it in the kitchen. See, I hadn't actually planned to come out to her in that moment. Not, not like that, anyway. You know when you're just completely desperate, when you're downtrodden, when everything is against you, and you reach your threshold and you just go, fuck it, I gotta let something loose. It's your baggage, your fears, your secrets. That's what that was back in the kitchen in Strathfield. I'd always noticed the conversations that she had in front of me, I'd always known that she had good, close, queer friends. But that night, I made myself vulnerable in a way that I've never been before. And with her response, I think she nailed it. And I will always be grateful for that. It's now nine months later, March 2017. I'm at the Mardi Gras for the first time in several years. The first time since Rishi came out. I'm here with my friend Deepa and her boyfriend, now married over there. Um, Watching the floats go by, the people go past, dancing, marching, I finally realise why, why these are called pride parades. Why pride is such an important part of the LGBTQIA movement. It's because pride is the antidote to shame, and we have shamed these communities for decades, sometimes centuries. Finally, the penny drops for me. Later that weekend, I tell my parents about the parade. I was so excited about this new realisation that I had to share it. I tell them about the music, the dancing, the costumes, the colour. I tell them about pride. My mum's response. Oh, Giti. <laughs> I love dancing. <laughs> Why aren't we in the parade? <laughs> a week or so later, I realised that is actually a really good question. Why aren't we in the parade? I've been working in not-for-profits, I studied social change, but I've always worked in other people's communities. This is a chance to do something in mine. Ever since Rishi came out, he's been sharing his experiences. One thing he tells me really stands out. He tells me he wants to have the same experience the rest of us cousins have when we bring our partners to family events. You know, the incessant questions, the force-feeding, the lovey-dovey jokes about settling down, crap like that. Basically, the stuff we complain about. This, the stuff we love to hate and hate to love. The stuff that communicates the melodramatic, over-the-top acceptance and inclusion of our partners in the most annoying way. <laughs> and it extends beyond the family to our family friends, the wider Desi community. 
Somewhere in the depths of my subconscious, an idea emerges for a float. We would be a barat, a, a, a wedding procession for a same-sex wedding. Family and friends, aunties and uncles, dancing and celebrating down Oxford Street. Next step, I actually needed to talk to Rishi to see if he thinks it's a good idea, if it's something he wanted us to do. So, the Mardi Gras parade. I'd actually never been to the Mardi Gras parade before, funnily enough. I had volunteered as an Akon Rover at the after party a couple of times. That was fun. Um, but the actual parade, the actual event down Oxford Street that commands the attention of the world's LGBTQIA plus community, I'd never been. I hadn't actually made up my mind, truthfully, about how I felt towards the parade. I'd always wanted to go, but uh, I felt conflicted about what it would actually mean to me. Do I really belong at the center of this event? Does it represent my LGBTQIA plus community and experience? A lot of my friends had gone, obviously, with their other groups. Friends that seemingly fit into the space a lot better than I did, being white, living out of home, being from upper-class backgrounds, living their best queer lives. Here I am, living 20 kilometers out of the CBD with my parents. The few times I have been to Oxford Street, I've had a terrible time. I've come home late and broke. But then, I'm not giving you the full story either. See, in 2015, I remember being home alone and watching the parade on television while I was making dinner. I knew a couple of people who were actually marching in it that year. And I did feel left out. I felt left out of this giant party where 300,000 people essentially lined the streets of Sydney to voice their support for diversity, equality, difference. I felt left out. But I still didn't feel like I belonged there, if you understand what that means. When Keith Vivi asked me about the parade, I expressed a lot of interest because I did want to check it out. I just realized I didn't want to be alone while I was there. So bit by bit, over the next few months, this idea grew through important conversations with friends and family, and also many conversations with myself as I would drive to and from work. One of these moments came in July when I visited my sister Neha, who lives in London. I told her and her husband Omar about the idea. A drunken conversation unfolded, and we came up with the name, Fobgaze. Not fresh off the boat gays, as it has been claimed, but friends and family of brown LGBTQIA plus people. It was perfect, tongue in cheek, reclaiming a part of our identity, commun communicating our purpose all in one. Finally, application guidelines were released and I started putting these ideas onto paper. So flash forward to the day that same-sex marriage was legalized. Surprise, surprise, I'm sitting for more fucking exams. <laughs> I think I'd just come out of applied advanced econometric methods um, when I switched on my phone and saw the news. I had no energy to celebrate or to process. I had no feelings towards it. I just needed sleep. Amongst the various messages of support, though, I had a couple of missed calls from Keith and Vivi, and that was unusual, so I called her right back. Hey, Keith and Vivi, what's up? Oh my God, Rishi, this is amazing. We've done it. How are you feeling? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, I'm just so knackered though. I need some sleep. Sleep? That is so lame. No, no, no. You are coming to Newtown. We are celebrating. I'm leaving work <laughs> early. No, I, you, I really need some sleep. How about tomorrow? Like, let's celebrate no, tomorrow. No, 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 no. Tomorrow is not the day. Today is the day. You are meeting me at Brewtown in Newtown. <laughs> <laughs> 
okay, all right, I'll, I'll be there in half an hour. You're buying me like five coffees. Done. Okay. So I negotiated the Sydney bus network from Randwick to Newtown and walked to our spot. And as I turned the corner, it was hard not to see Geet Didi. She was standing outside, um, shivering with excitement. She was holding a bright, multicolored celebratory present that she'd bought me in her hand, and she was wearing a great big smile. For some reason, that's when it sank in for me. This was a huge day. Same-sex marriage was legal, and my rights under the law were equal. We gave each other a big hug, and we walked inside. Keith Didi was so over the top with her excitement um, and, and, and happiness, and I think in some strange way, that actually gave me the energy that I needed in that moment. The conversation continued, you know, we shared one of the famous cronuts and had some coffee, and that's when she took out her laptop and showed me the presentation that she was about to submit to the Sydney Mardi Gras, the Bob Gay's Big Queer South Asian Wedding. I'm not a great writer, so I can't begin to express exactly the feelings that I did have when I saw how much effort had gone into this presentation. No small, unimaginable detail had been spared. I'm not surprised, she's always been the most organized in our family, but you know, the dolls would go here and the same-sex couple would march here and the Bharat would be in this space. And all of a sudden I was reminded of 2015, that night when I watched the parade at home wondering how I would fit in. Now I knew, I had a blueprint in front of me. Amazingly, we were accepted into the 40th anniversary Mardi Gras parade, the biggest yet. We had about three months from acceptance to the parade and we were complete novices. Rishi, his older brother Ishu and I were basically trying to build a community and pull off a massive project at the same time. It was insane. So many hours, emails, coffees, chais, wines, briefings, rehearsals, asana project boards, early starts, late finishes, even anxieties and conflicts that we had to manage on the fly. In hindsight, it was a complete blur. When the day finally arrived, it wasn't until our group made their way over from the marshalling area to our float that it actually came together and felt real. Everyone saw the amazing sign issue had made with our logo. They heard the music. They started cheering. Rishi jumped up on the trailer to fix the iPod and the crowd went wild. Rishi started dancing like I have never seen him dance before. <laughs> and in this moment, it became real. I don't know exactly when, but at some point, Kivivivi jumped up there with me. I didn't realize that we were such awesome dancers. <laughs> I remember getting onto the trailer at some point to turn on the music. I had my shiny green shawl with me, and as soon as I fired up the mixtape, I remember the music just blasting out of the PA system and our contingent going wild. I saw the looks on everyone's faces, absolutely overjoyed to be part of this momentous moment in history. We were at the 40th ever Sydney Mardi Gras. And it wasn't just our 30, it wasn't just the fob gays who were dancing wildly, it was everyone around us. It was something that I'd never witnessed before, something that I'd never felt before. And in that moment, I let loose too. But it wasn't like letting loose at a club or at a wedding or at a friend's birthday after you've had a couple. It was different entirely. I danced like I'd never danced in that moment. And I could see Geet Didi in the crowd looking up with me in her, 
hideous childhood languor with a face strewn with glitter and face paint. She was standing next to my Marcy, my aunt, who, let's just say, was just as absurdly dressed. <laughs> but we all were. Every uncle and auntie and all the families and friends who were there. It was amongst this completely over-the-top scene that I looked at Geetha Didi and just saw her welling up with pride. And this song that we were dancing to, we chose it for the sense of nostalgia that it evokes. Growing up Desi in Sydney, our connection to culture was dinner parties with family friends, boring bujas and the Diwali fair. At those dinner parties, we would all sit around on plastic chairs in someone's garage. <laughs> Brown tweens and teens in the depths of our awkward phases, eating dal chawal. After we were done with dinner, at least half the times, time, the aunties and uncles would try and force us to have fun by dancing to Punjabi music <laughs> under fluorescent lights. You would hold on to your plastic chair with all your strength, <laughs> but their strength was greater. <laughs> For our first Mardi Gras parade, we were dancing to one of those songs. But instead of dancing for aunties and uncles, here we were, dancing for 200,000 people, dancing for us. Dancing exactly how we wanted to. Thank you. Thank you.